powerful is the Cox Network. So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10, that's V-I-A-T-O-R-10, for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. You're about to experience the life-giving teaching of Bishop Kevin Foreman, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Center. To find out more about Dr. Foreman and Harvest Christian Center, visit our website at www.harvestcc.me. And no matter what, remember, love God, love people, and love life. So just when you think God has done it all, God says, I want to outdo myself. And I'm getting ready to do something in your life that you didn't even think was possible. You thought it was going to take years. I'm about to get this thing done in days. You, somebody shout and say, I'm elevating. <laughs> so you got your selfie? Okay, now I, now I says, now, now, now normally at this point in the experience, I would have you to flip to a scripture. We'd read the scripture. I'd tell you to tell your neighbor, high five, and then be seated. But, but the selfie was the scripture today. You are a living epistle, which means your whole life is a scripture. Father, I decrease that you might increase. Speak now in this place. Today, a season of elevation begins in the life of the people of Harvest and everybody under the sound of my voice. Whatever state and condition everybody is in, this will be the lowest state and condition that they will ever see themselves in again because a season of elevation begins today. I said a season of elevation begins today. It's time for you to elevate. It's time for you to elevate. And if you believe it, would you just shout and give your God praise like you believe it? Oh, come on, Harvest, who believes it? As you take your seats, I five, two or three people and say, I'm getting ready to elevate. I'm getting ready. Sure am. You can be seated. You saw the essence of this series in the series trailer, but I want to make sure we understand our trajectory over the next few weeks. This message, hear me, Harvest, will have several principles with two major points today. So not only would I encourage you to take great notes, but I would also encourage you to get the CD. Tell somebody, say, get this CD. Get this one. 
Now watch this. I want to read this to you so that you get it. Uh, this is the series summary. Every time we begin a new teaching series, we give you a summary so we understand where we're going. Uh, it says this. The Bible is full of examples of how God wants to elevate every aspect of your life. Say, God, God. wants to elevate every aspect of my life. He specializes in taking what seems insignificant and elevating it to make it dominant. He took a shepherd named David and elevated him to a king. He took two loaves and uh, two fish and five loaves of bread and elevated that meal to feed thousands. He takes nothings and elevates them into somethings. And in this series, somebody say this series, uh -huh, you're going to be given practical tools to see everything about your life elevated. Now hear me, hear me, because I need to tell you whether or not you need to be here the next few weeks. This is not a series for those satisfied with the status quo. So if you're a status quo person, then just for the next few weeks, you can just go on and just, just let the Lord just watch online or watch through the app or something like that. But, but this series is for those who say, God, thank you for what you've done, but I'm expecting you to do some more. Thank you for all you've brought me through, but I'm expecting you to do some more. God, my expectation is not an indication that I'm ungrateful. It's just an indication that there is more life on the inside of me. There are more gifts on the inside of me. There is too much living for me to do. Somebody shout and say, I'm elevating. I'm now, so this is a series for those that believe that God can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ask or think. Hear me, Harvest. The announcement is it's time to elevate. Now, now I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to, I want to do this. Now, 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 the first point, there's only two points, but there's lots of principles in the points. So I want you to get this. The first point is a season of elevation begins with a revelation. A season of elevation begins with a revelation. Now watch this. The word elevate means literally by definition and has four distinct meanings. It means to raise or lift something up to a higher position. It means to raise or lift something up to a higher position. Please understand the quality that you gave as an individual when you were in a lower position was sufficient for that position. But as God begins to elevate your life, as does your quality have to improve. Please understand, it doesn't mean anything that you were the captain of the slime at the bottom of the pool. Because what happens is as you begin to change now, it requires something greater. Let me, let me say it another way so I can make sure the point is illustrated properly. It doesn't make any difference that you were the valedictorian of your fifth grade class. You're in college now, so you got to perform at a higher level. You got to perform at an elevated status. You're not hearing what I'm saying. It makes no difference that you're the only one in your bloodline that has accomplished something great if nobody in your bloodline has ever accomplished something great. Stop comparing your standard to the very bottom of the pool. So now watch this. The you, we just finished this series called New. The you that God is making you into is a you that requires you to be elevated, which means you got to be lifted to a higher position. But to be lifted to a higher position, you have to release yesterday's position because you cannot hold on to yesterday and tomorrow simultaneously. Second definition is this, to raise to a more important or impressive level. Uh, to raise to a more important or impressive level. Please understand, God says, what I want to do in your life is going to impress other folk. But please understand, uh, the more important you become, you, you, you then also have to understand that that may also mean uh, the more haters that you attract. Nobody talks about losers. 
Now, let me translate in case you're not familiar what a hater is. A hater is somebody that doesn't want to see anybody do well because they have it. And the reason they got a problem with you making progress in life is because they're sitting up here trying to figure out how are you doing it, but I'm not. But what they don't understand is, is that it ain't got nothing to do with you, but it's because of his goodness and it's because of his mercy and it's because of his grace. If it had not been for the Lord that was on my side, I don't even know. So it ain't got nothing to do with me, baby. I'm just favored and favor ain't fair. It ain't fair to you because you won't pay the price to get some, but pay the price to get some favor. And I guarantee you, you're looking life differently somebody stop somebody high five say I'm favored so if you're going to be raised to a more important or impressive level you do need to understand that that may mean you may have a few people that may say something about you so if they do that just say I must be elevating I must be rising to a higher and more impressive okay third definition I gotta move Uh, it, it means to increase the level or amount of Increase the level or amount of. We'll deal with that uh, because that's what I want to deal with that particular definition in today's message. And, and then the fourth definition, it means to raise the axis as in a piece of artillery to increase its range. <laughs> it, 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 mean, it, it means, watch this, it means piece of artillery. So, so it's a piece of heavy duty equipment. It, it, it means it, it, it's a big deal. Tell somebody to say big deal. It means the axis of the artillery is too low to have sufficient range to do the kind of and have the kind of impact it's supposed to have. So the axis has to be raised so that the artillery has the proper range. That's why there's things you've been improving about yourself and you've been asking yourself, why am I doing this and why am I doing this and why am I doing that? God says, because I need your axis to improve so that your range can improve. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying. That's what he's doing for our house. He says, I'm raising the axis so that your range can improve. I'm not happy with you being a one region church. I need you to. So a season of elevation begins with a what? Revelation. Now, that's a real spiritual word. Where does revelation mean? To have something revealed to you. How is something revealed to you? It's shown to you. It's told to you. So I started today's series by having you to get a revelation of the lowest point you're going to be in for the rest of your life. Four people got that. Now, say, I'm elevating. So now here's the second point. Second point. Only two points, but there's lots of principles in the points you got to get to CD. Okay, now watch this. Gloria a Dios. Te amo. Uh, no, uh, 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 number two, your limitations initiate his demonstrations. Your limitations initiate his demonstrations. Now, y'all ready to go into second gear? Now, 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 there is a story in the Bible that we're going to look at uh, uh, in a few different versions uh, about Jesus taking two fish and five loaves of bread. Jesus essentially uh, got a two-piece meal and they threw some extra husk puppies in the meal along with the little crispies at the bottom of the box. Now, some of you don't know about that, but, but in certain places when you get a fried fish meal, uh, they'll not only give you your fish, but they give you some bread to go along with your fish because fish just tastes good with bread. I don't know why. Fried fish and bread just works. It works 
all day, every day. It doesn't even have to be white bread, baby. It could be wheat bread, but you let that fried fish, let that grease sop down into that bread and put some hot sauce on it with a little bit of tartar sauce. And if you're gourmet, you'll mix your tartar with your hot sauce and you'll come up with your own special recipe. I know y'all don't know nothing about that because you bake yours, but I fried mine. Anybody know what I'm saying here? So now watch this. There is this story that we're going to look at in a moment, and it is interesting. It is interesting because, because the story of Jesus taking two fish and five loaves of bread, he feeds 5,000 men, the Bible says. Now, it was interesting because the Hebrew culture, they would have only counted the men because the Hebrew culture was a male-dominated culture. Not that that was an error, uh, not that there was something wrong with that. It was that uh, they understood that the buck stopped when it got to the man. And so it was a male-dominated culture, so they only counted the men. So there were 5,000 men, and the scripture makes it clear that was besides children. So then we can properly deduce that somewhere between 10 and perhaps 25,000 people were actually fed uh, at that miracle. So the Bible Bible only records 5,000 men, uh, but it was far more than that in terms of people. How do you take a two-piece meal that barely fills you up and yet somehow find a way to feed between 10 and 25,000 people? Oh, I'm going to help your neighbor in here today. Touch your neighbor and say he elevated it. Now watch this. This is interesting because the story of this miracle, it is a divine tapestry that could be exegeted from many angles, some of great depth and some of great simplicity, but all of significant profundity. In fact, Jesus himself illustrates some of the varied approaches that could be used. He, he says that there were two fish and five loaves of bread. So in one explanation of the story, Jesus tells them that he is the bread from heaven that filled the people to the point that they were full and there were leftovers enough for the 12 ruling apostles. So Jesus and one explanation of this divine story uh, Jesus says well I am the bread from heaven and so when I broke the bread it was me breaking myself and giving myself to you and there was enough of me to go around for everybody See, what I love about God is that his power is unlimited. He is omnipotent, which means he's got the power to do anything and everything. And he is not limited because of your past. He is not limited because of your mistakes. He is not limited because of your issues. He is the bread from heaven. Watch this. But the second thing is, is that he used when Jesus was explaining the story. Jesus says this. He says, he says one, one, one angle. Say one angle. Jesus says in the story, we're going to look at the story in a moment. He, he was telling his uh, the disciples, particularly the 12 that were ruling apostles, he, he, he told them, he said, listen, y'all still don't get it about the bread. He said, I want you to know that the whole deal with the bread is that I want you to beware of the leaven of the doctrine or teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Uh, uh, because although their teaching is wrong, it still filled a void. It's amazing what people will believe that is an error, but it simply fills a void. You know, but why are you sitting up in here acting like you're not sure if he is? Well, you know that the only reason that you're still living is because he is. You sitting up here dibbling and dabbling on Wikipedia and all, all kinds of stuff trying to figure this out and figure that out. Baby, if it wasn't for Jesus paying the price for you, it was not Buddha, it was not Muhammad, it was not some pyramid in Egypt. It was Jesus the Christ. And it is... 
So now watch this. Bishop, what do you mean? What do you mean? How are you connecting pyramids? Because Jesus was telling them. He was saying to the Pharisees and Sadducees, they were separatists and they were self-righteous people. And so they were teaching a separatist and self-righteous gospel. Um, the gospel they taught was, is it's us four and no more. Uh, there's only enough God to go around for people like us. And if you're not like us, then there's no God for you. And Jesus came, and uh, Jesus comes rather, and he explains to them, there is enough of me for everybody. And I want you to beware of the leaven of the self-righteous and the separatists. Beware of the people that say God can't use this one, that one, or that one. And beware of the people who think that they're right only because they say that they're right. So that's one explanation. Touch somebody say one explanation. The interesting thing about it is Jesus was saying, beware of their leaven. In other words, he was saying, he was saying that even though their teaching is an error, it felt a void, it filled a void rather for something. It's amazing what you will believe just because you want to believe something. It's amazing the things that you will believe just because you want to believe something. It is amazing the conspiracy theories you have about why somebody didn't speak to you this morning because you want to believe something. You can't consider that maybe they just didn't see you because it's dark in here. You you came up with a whole conspiracy theory about this and that. and the, It's real quiet in this church. It is amazing the things that you will believe simply because you want to believe something. Those were a couple of examples, but this scripture, it, it, is a, it is a great tapestry. It is this interweaving of different, watch this, vantage points. Now, you say, Bishop, what scripture? I'm going to show you in a minute, but uh, say two fish, five loaves of bread. Uh -huh, he had two, two, two fish, and, and, and he had five hush puppies. Now, because this is the southern edition of the Bible, they had some hot sauce, too. Real hot sauce, not Tabasco. <laughs> Nothing against Tabasco. It's just not real hot sauce. No, it's just not. It's pepper sauce, hot pepper sauce. Well, that's what you're supposed to put on cabbage and greens and stuff. Okay, all right. So, <laughs> what is cabbage? <laughs> what are greens? <laughs> okay, watch this. I know, I'm just throwing all this. Okay, watch this. <laughs> what is salt and pepper? I, you know, I, Say Vantage Point. In 2008, there was a movie that came out. It was called Vantage Point. And it appeared in theaters, and it starred Dennis Quaid, Sigourney Weaver, Forrest Whitaker. It was a political action thriller that focused on an assassination attempt against the POTUS, the President of the United States. Uh, uh, but I didn't want to say it like that. Only do you understand? So I need it. Okay, all right, go. That's seen from various vantage points of different characters. Now, now, now watch this. Watch this. Without any idea of what the movie would be about, you'd first think that the movie was repeating itself. In fact, I can recall, even though it was several years ago, I can recall looking at it and then the movie like starting over again. I was like, okay, apparently somebody, we had DVDs back then. I said, somebody then broke the DVD. I said, now why would they rent me a DVD like this and they know the DVD is scratched up? So I begin to get a little agitated because I'm saying it seems like the story's starting all over again and I was just getting comfortable. And you know how you get comfortable on your couch or wherever you sit down and you get comfortable. Then all of a sudden you got to get up to fix up and you act like it's the end of the world. <laughs> Parents, you get so comfortable you won't even get up to go change it yourself. You text your child to come in there and do it for you. <laughs> come turn the air on. The air is right there. And you... Touch your neighbor and say, I was just comfortable. I was comfortable. <laughs> 
So without knowing, you'd see the movie and you'd think to yourself, you think to yourself, you think to yourself, why does why this keep repeating? Until you're able to grasp the concept that while it was repeating the same storyline, watch it here, it's coming from a different vantage point. Uh, the differing vantage points navigated the same macro story, but filled in the details from a different micro angle. You're, you're missing it. Uh, 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 to one, it looked like this was all that happened, but from another vantage point, there was something totally different that happened. Can I just let you know something? There's some stuff in your life that God allowed you to see one vantage point, but he didn't allow you to see what he was doing behind the scenes. There's some stuff in your life where you see it from alpha to omega, but there's some stuff that God says, baby, I was working that from every angle. And what you didn't know is while you were praying for favor, I woke somebody up in the middle of the night. And they couldn't sleep. And you were the face that was on their mind. And all of a sudden, they came in and prepared a promotion for you that they didn't even have on the books. I wish you heard what I'm saying. God says there's multiple vantage points that are happening. What you didn't know is God was silencing the mouths of some people who were trying to come against you. And when they started rising their tongues against you, God started letting hell break loose in their lives so that they learned, touch not my anointed and do my prophet no harm. Somebody shout vantage point. So there are different vantage points. There, there, there are different vantage points that things occur from, and you see it from the vantage point and the perspective that you have, but you don't see it from the other perspective. It is just like, for an example, for example, if something's ever done, uh, if something's ever done. This is what could that something be? It could be anything. If something's ever done, somebody says, "Hey, go stand over here." Somebody says, "Go stand over here." So whatever, and you get it from one vantage point. What you don't understand is that you are a piece in a puzzle that's bigger than you. And so the master puzzle maker himself is putting the different pieces in place and every piece has a different vantage point but when all the pieces come together they make this unique tapestry called life. It was God that moved on your behalf behind the scenes from a different vantage point to make things work together for your good. It was God that had them lose the records and all of a sudden you got approved and you can't figure out how in the world did this thing go through. It was God. Do I have any witnesses in here? God says it's different vantage points that are working for your good. So watch this now. The Bible is so often... So awesome, excuse me, that it shows us much of Jesus' ministry from different vantage points. So this story, watch it now because we're turning the corner. This story of two fish and five hush puppies with hot sauce. Got to have hot sauce. Other than that, you're not sure if it's fish or chicken. Because some white fish taste just like chicken. No, I'm right about it. Say vantage points. So, 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 so we're going to look at them. We're going to look at them because each of the gospel writers, with exception of one, had a slightly different vantage point. So when they record the story, they record details that the other one didn't record because they didn't see it from that vantage point. That's why some of you can say you, he's a healer because from your vantage point, he healed your body. Somebody else may say, I don't know him like that. But you can say, baby, from my vantage point, he's a way maker. How? Because I needed a way to be made, and there wasn't one unless he was going to do it. Somebody shot vantage point. So watch this. In Matthew 14, we're going to start with Matthew. Matthew 14, verse 12. We're going to start with this first vantage point. 
Now, remember, there's only two major points in today's message, but there are several principles that are going to be laced throughout the points. So stick with me. Matthew 14, 12. Then his disciples came and took away the body and buried it, and they went and told Jesus. Now, check this out. John the Baptist, who is Jesus' relative, we don't quite know exactly how they're related, but we know he's Jesus' relative. John the Baptist has just been beheaded because the king gave an open-ended uh, 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 invitation, if you will, and he said, well, you tell me what you want. And, and the little girl, she replied, and she said, I want John the Baptist's head on a platter. So the king, because he had committed in front of so, so many people, the king said he couldn't go back on what he committed because he did it in front of so many people. So John the Baptist has now been beheaded. Now, you understand, John the Baptist was the reincarnation of Elijah. The scripture says in 2 Kings chapter 2 that Elijah was caught up into heaven by a whirlwind. And the scripture records in Malachi that he was reserved in heaven to be sent back. And he was sent back to prepare the way for Jesus who happened to be his relative. But he was sent back to prepare the way for Jesus because Elijah had insight that none of the other men of God of his day had. Elijah knew how to produce sons. Whole another thing. I don't have time to deal with that. So he's sent back. He's John the Baptist. John the Baptist is beheaded. So now they come and tell Jesus, Jesus, John gone. They got him. They got John. John gone. So, so now watch this because I need you to understand the context of the miracle. The miracle occurs while Jesus is in pain, grieving about his relative being beheaded. It makes it that much more interesting when you realize he wasn't doing it from a position of great strength. He was doing it from a position of pain. Ah, okay. Uh, uh, sis, they buried and they went and told Jesus. Verse 13. When Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. And when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. Now, here's what's interesting. Jesus said, I need to go have some time by myself because I just found out that my relative, watch this, who is also the same one who put me in ministry. When John baptized Jesus, he wasn't baptizing Jesus to get saved. He was performing a Hebrew ritual called mikvah, which means he was ordaining Jesus to ministry. He was ordaining Jesus to the priesthood. He was ordaining Jesus as a rabbi. So now when John baptized him or mikvahed him, John had a special, unique connection with Jesus because if it wasn't for John releasing him into ministry, there would be no Jesus. In ministry. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Uh, we're going to walk it out. Touch your neighbor and say, walk it out with Bishop. Walk it out. Let's walk it out. So now watch this. Jesus now is mourning because he's saying the guy that got me started is gone. And so then he steps off and he goes by himself because please understand, he's grieving. Say he's grieving. But please understand, sometimes the best thing you can do for people that are grieving is just be quiet. Sometimes you know, well, what's wrong? Well, what's going on? You want to talk about it? No, sometimes I don't want to talk. Sometimes I just want to sit here and stay out the window at nothing. Oh, I wish I could get at least three men that would be honest with me, man. It's okay. If she sit next to you, that's all right. Just, just look at me. Ain't nobody studying her. Look at me. Well, let's talk about it. What do you want? No, I don't want to talk sometimes. Sometimes just let me stare out the window. I'm looking at the ceiling, and I know it don't make no sense. I just want to look at the ceiling right now. Jesus said, I want to be by myself for a minute. But his ministry was so powerful that even when he wanted to be by himself, the multitudes heard he was going to be by himself and said, well, we going too. But he goes to a deserted place. Now, deserted is interesting because in the Greek, it is the word eremos. Now, now watch this. What, note takers, E-R-E-M-O-S. Got it? 
Literally, it means an uncultivated, unpopulated, desolate place. It, it means a desert. Hence, the Bible says a deserted place. But as I have taught you often, when you're reading the scriptures, please understand, I always go back to the Greek and Hebrew so you can understand that what was really being said. Now, we see the word deserted in English, but there's something greater. Somebody say greater. greater. Here's the greater. It means this, a barren, solitary place that also provides needed quiet and freedom from disturbance. Okay, can I take you another further? Uh, in the Greek, Eremos is ironically where the limitless God shows, him help, shows himself strong through your limiting scenes of life. Okay, I'm going to say it again because your neighbor's still trying to figure out how to say Eremos. What's this? <laughs> Eremos. What's this? Say ironic. ironic. In other words, in other words, it doesn't quite make sense because uh, Eremos, where it is a barren, solitary place that provides needed quiet. It's uncultivated. It's unpopulated. It's desolate. Hear me, y'all. I'm going to help you understand where some of you have been at in life. It is where the limitless God shows himself strong through your limiting or difficult situations okay you, you, you're not getting it sometimes God says the only way you're gonna know that I can is if you've got a limitation that says I can't okay I can see we're gonna have to work this one a little harder okay in other words God says you don't know quite what I can do until the odds are sometimes stacked against you so it is through your limitations that God says, watch me give you a demonstration of just how great my power is. I think I got a few witnesses here that the truth be told, there were times in life where you said, I don't know how I'm going to make it. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. But God showed up in your eremos and said, I am the limitless God. And your say, my limitations do not limit God. So you keep thinking it's going to take X amount of money. And God says, who told you that? Why do you think it's going to take that? God says, I've got the power to do whatever it is that I want to do because it's through your limitations that God says that you're going to see my demonstration. No, 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 watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Jesus went to Eremos. Check this out, which means, here's what you need to know. The elevation process doesn't start at the top of the mountain. The elevation process starts in a valley. Okay, I'm trying to make this so rudimentary that we can't miss it. Uh, the elevation process doesn't start out with you saying, what a great day. The elevation process, when you start out saying, what the ooh is going on in my... Nobody's ever... Oh, I know, you're looking at me like that because you don't say the beep. You say the real words. So... Jesus went to this place of limitations. And in this place of limitations, it was this place where he did a great demonstration. Which means whenever things are looking tight, you better get excited because God says this situation is right for me to elevate. So, oh God. Whenever you start worrying and getting confused, you need to turn that worry into praise because you need to say, I just must be in Eremos. And in Eremos, this is where my limitations cause God to have great demonstrations. Watch this. Verse 14, it says, And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them, and he healed their sick. Now, check this out, y'all. He's hurting, but he's still healing. 
His relative, he just found out, was beheaded. He didn't even get a chance to say bye to John. They didn't get to have a conference call. They couldn't tweet. They couldn't text. They didn't even get to FaceTime or Skype. And all of a sudden now, he's gone, and he sees this multitude of people, but yet the Scripture says he's moved with compassion. He's hurting, but he's still healing. I need to tell somebody, sometimes you're going to have to press in spite of your pain. 40 years of your life, you've been using pain as a reason for why you back down. You've been using pain as a reason for why you give up. You've been using pain as a reason for why you quit. I got an announcement for you. God says, I don't care about your pain. You're going to have to learn how to press through your pain. He's hurting, but he's still healing. He's in pain, but he didn't let that get him out of purpose. When you wait for the most convenient times, you'll never do it because there will never be a convenient time. Jesus modeled this guy. Say he was a gladiator. No, say, say he's a gladiator. He's a gladiator. I, I got inspired. I, I saw, I've always liked uh, gladiators. I always liked Roman coliseums, Roman uh, 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 columns, all the things about the Roman culture I really enjoyed because they were people um, that, that had lots of good things about their culture that I enjoyed. Uh, and, and, and then there's this show that came out some time ago that had this whole thing in there about gladiators, you follow. And, and uh, this show with gladiators, you understand, I just I ain't going to tell you the name of the show, but, but you know, had this thing about gladiators and 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 then it just reinvigorated this thing in me about gladiators and then as i'm looking at this story jesus now he's in pain because he's grieving because his relative has just been beheaded and yet he goes out in his own personal private pain and yet he comes out to be their hero See, what you need to understand about your life is it's not about you. And the reason you keep getting in the deep, dark circles you get in is because you keep thinking this thing is about you. You weren't sent here for you. You were sent here for them. Which means it's through your pain that somebody else gets encouragement. It is through your testimony that somebody else says, I can make it. It is through the hell that you endure that you pull somebody else out. That's why the next time somebody tells you to go to hell, you ought to tell them, listen, I've been there a lot through my life. Do they have any new rides? Because if they ain't got no new rides, I know everything that place is about. And guess what, baby? You went through hell, but you're still standing. You've taken a licking, but you keep on. What's this? He models this gladiator mentality. I like it. Because he comes out. He's in pain, y'all. He went away because he was in pain. And yet he looks out and says, but they need healing. So he says, because they have a need for me, I don't get a moment. Watch this. I don't get a moment to sulk and to, and to sit and have a pity party because the people need me. So then Jesus responds as a gladiator. This isn't the first time you see him do this. You see Jesus, are y'all still with me? You, you see Jesus do this uh, when, when his friend Lot died. In fact, shortest, one of the shortest versions of the Bible, it says Jesus wept. Jesus was so upset. Watch this. This time he went away to privately cry. He was so upset when Lot uh, died that the scripture says he weeped in front of the people. Now, you know, as a gladiator, as a man's man, as a strong man, it had to be a deep pain for him to cry in front of the people. He didn't just cry in front of his staff. He didn't just cry in front of his, I mean, he just got up in front of the people. He like, oh, God, oh, my God, oh, my God, they got him. 
But you know what he did? He still went. And you know when he got to that tomb, he said, you know what? Okay, enough pain time. Pain is over. You better learn how to schedule your tears. You better learn how to schedule your pain. You better learn how to schedule your issues. And sometimes you got to tell your issues, this ain't the time, No, is it the place. I'll deal with this later, but right now I got to press. Jesus goes to the tomb and he says, Father, you hear me because you always hear me. Now Lazarus, come for. In other words, Jesus said, watch this. Jesus said, Jesus said, Jesus said, Jesus said, I'm going to have to press through this in spite of my pain. <laughs> the antithesis of this is the type of personality that I don't personally enjoy. Bishop, what do you mean? Man, just me talking about, yeah. I like fighters. And I don't mean what you think I mean. Because you think, see, that's what, that's what I'm talking about, Bishop. That's what I'm talking about. You need to calm down. <laughs> Go have a sip of water. Because you want to fight everybody all the time. Somebody pull in front of your car in the church parking lot. I'm a gladiator. I'm a gladiator. What? Now, you know I was going to that spot. That's why I put my signal on. <laughs> I know about people. I'm talking about people that, that, that don't just lay down and, and watch this, watch this, watch this, and take life. But people who say, I'm going to happen to life. See, you heard this saying before, if life, if life throws you lemon, make lemonade. See, you don't think big enough. If life throws you lemon, write a book about how life threw you lemons, then start to eliminate stand, and then you need to monetize that. Lemonade, that's enough for me. I need to, no, I need to get some more out of this. That's why you need to look back at your life and everything that the enemy's done to you. You know what you need to do? You need to say, I'm going to make that sucker pay. Every bad relationship you wasted time in, I'm going to make him pay. Every time somebody rose against you, you need to say, I'm going to make him pay. So I want to give you the context. I'm going to give you the context. I'm going to give you context. Y'all still with me? He didn't let his pain interrupt his purpose. L listen to me, y'all. You will always lose if you let pain interrupt you. So if you're a person that always stops because of pain, well, you just might as well just, just, just could you just, let me have your air because you're wasting it. If you ain't going to do nothing with it, let me get some of your oxygen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Uh, touch your neighbor. Say, do not let your pain interrupt your purpose. Now, look at verse 15. When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place. Duh. His disciples were real good at stating the obvious. <laughs> this is a deserted place. He knew it when he went there. <laughs> And the hour is already late. Watch what they say. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. Got a problem here. Got a problem. First mistake was they didn't realize who they talked to. They're going to tell him, send the multitudes away. Who, 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 who? Thank you, Jesus. First Sunday. Who, who are you talking to? In other words, Jesus was like, I'm the G-O-D up in this piece. In heaven, hell and earth, are you talking to? You don't tell me to send nobody nowhere. Now, now, watch this. We discover why they act like this because early, when we get to Luke's account, Luke tells us what they just came back from. Jesus has sent them out to do some great miracles and some things like that. So now they were getting a little high and mighty about themselves because Jesus gave them a little power. See, you, the greatest test of who a man or a woman really is is when you give them a little power. Because see, once they get a little power, now you see what they really made of. Because power amplifies what's in the person. So now they think they're going to come and correct up. 
are they to tell their leader what they're going to do and what they ain't going to do? I've learned, please hear me, I've learned that it's useless to counsel those that are intent on not listening to me. Y'all ain't waste my time. The rebellious are only rehabilitated through loss. They got to lose to learn. Y'all ain't waste my time. Bishop, what should I do? I pray. You don't want to listen no how. You just asking just to ask. You don't want to listen. We got real quiet right there. They, they thought they could talk to Jesus like this. And they thought, I'm grown. I'm a man. It's funny because you wasn't a man when I had to get you to, that money out that fist to pay your taxes. <laughs> you wasn't a man when I had to heal your mother-in-law. <laughs> you was crying like a baby in a punk in the corner. You ain't a man now. What the? They forgot who they were talking to. Send the multitudes away that they can go buy themselves something to eat. They didn't say, sir, we'd like to suggest. <laughs> they didn't say, no, send them away. Look how Jesus responded, verse 16. But Jesus said to them, they don't need to go. You give them something to eat. In essence, Jesus says, the only reason you want them to go is because it reveals your lack of faith. You don't want to have to have your faith stretched right now because you already know we don't have enough bread to feed them and you know they're hungry and the reason you want me to send them away is because it won't reveal that you ain't built up to what you said you got. You said you had faith, but yet you won't. Okay. It's quiet in the church. Okay, verse 17. And they said to him, look at their response. Here we have only five loaves and two fish. He said, watch this. Give them to me. Look at me, y'all. Jesus said, Jesus said, Jesus said, we have a problem here. Had you responded properly when there was a problem, you could have did the miracle. What you should have said is, Lord, please tell us in which way you're going to provide in this situation. Instead, you started reporting your problem rather than finding a promise to declare the promise. So Jesus says, I'll do what I always do. Let me do it. Oh, and I think this, this is a good moment to shout because this isn't a message to beat us down. This is a message where you get to get excited because there's stuff in your life that Jesus says, you didn't respond right, but I'm so good. Give it to me and let me handle it. Give me your children and watch me fix them. Give me your finances and watch me turn it around. Give it to me. He said, give it to me. Give it to me. Give it to me. They sold two fish and five us puppies. Say they sold it. Now, 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 I need you to get this principle. To go up, you must sow up. Jesus said, I want everything you do have. And I want it all. You got two fish and five hush puppies? I want it all. Philip, give me the hot sauce too. I saw you got them hot, them hot sauce packets in your robe. Give me them hot, give it to me. You're going to mess your robe up. Now watch this, y'all. Say, to go up, I must sow up. You know, it's amazing that you want to live, you, you want to live uh, the life of a superstar, but you want to sow like you just got out the projects. Now, some of y'all in Debbie don't know what the projects are. Uh, 
let's just say it like this, a rough living situation. It's amazing. You want the life. You, 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 how does the song go? Uh, 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 what's that song? Uh, uh, what is it? Sheila E. The gla- you want the glamorous life. Is that Sheila E? Who is it? Who? Who? Who is it? Google it and somebody tell me who it is. And I'll, tell, I'll report back to you in just a moment. Anyway, you want the glamorous life. But you want to pay the Walmart price. Oh, it's real quiet right here. Y'all don't like this. What I've discovered is that often what you say you want, it is Sheila E. Thank you. If I could play basketball, that would be a three-point shot right there. Half court. <laughs> now, t- check this out. Check this out. Here's what I need you to understand. In order to elevate, it costs you more than the current level you were on. And I'm not just talking money. I'm just, it, it, the cost can be far more inclusive of things besides money. It's going to take more time than you thought it was going to take. You're little, working seven hours and getting off soon as the clock stipes, but you're still in 10 minutes from the company anyhow. That ain't going to work for the level you say you want to go to. Y'all ain't got nothing to say right here? It's going to require more prayer than just, Father, I just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And then you're gonna, it's going to require a little bit more than that. It's going to require a little bit more of commanding your day than just saying, Lord, just touch. It's going to require more than a touch. It's going to require a touch, a shake, a move. A j- has a price. Okay? Everything has a price. Everything has a price. Doesn't ever say everything has a price. Okay, everything, everything has a price. There, there is no such thing as a free lunch. Because somebody else is paying for the free lunch. Now, look at this, verse 19. I got to move quick. Verse 19. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass. So, look, Jesus just takes over. See, he's glad. He's hurting. His relative's dead, but he got to take over. He walks in and he says, then he commands the multitudes to sit down on the grass and he took up the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke it and gave the loaves to the disciples and the disciples gave to the multitudes. Say he looked at heaven. This infers that he prayed. Check this out. We complain about far more than we pray about. And this is one of those areas I had to just slap myself like seven ways from Sunday because, because there'd be things that I would be complaining about. Then I think and say, you know, I ain't actually even prayed about that. Come on, uh, y'all going to leave me out here like, oh, no, Bishop, I pray about everything. Have you ever been like that where, where, where you just complaining about stuff? Come on, sorry, you can be honest. You complain about stuff and then you think about it and you're like, I've not even prayed about this. I've not even prayed about it. Jesus prayed. Now, check this out. Check this out. Uh, I, I like this. Pastor Mark Batterson uh, on the East Coast, he says this. Prayer is the difference between the best you can do and the best God can do. L- look at this. Jesus took their little and he elevated it to become much. Now, here's what I need you to get, though. Jesus blessed it, then he broke it. Okay, now, this is probably going to be about a shout session for the next 45 seconds. He didn't break it, then bless it. He blessed it, then he broke it. 
Bishop, what's the significance of that? The breaking was necessary so that it could multiply, but it wouldn't have been able to multiply if it wasn't blessed before it was broken. You're not hearing what I'm saying. For those of you that feel like life's been breaking you, your breaking occurs after you've been blessed, which means evidence that you're blessed is that the breaking hasn't destroyed you. The breaking hasn't destroyed you is because before he broke you, he blessed you. Somebody shout, I'm blessed. He blessed it, then he broke it so it could multiply. Oftentimes, our indica- the indication we're looking for to know that it's blessing is that it's all going great. But sometimes the indication that the blessing is there is that even if certain things aren't going great, you're not phased. Evidence that you are blessed is that out of all the breaking you had, you still wake up in the morning believing that today is going to be a good day. You still wake up saying, if God be for me, who can be against me? That's evidence that you're blessed. The stuff you've gone through, other folks would have lost their mind. The stuff you've gone through, other folks would have been in an insane asylum somewhere. But God blessed you, and then he broke you. But he only broke you so you could multiply. In other words, so you could elevate. I wish you'd high-five somebody and say, I'm blessed. Now, blessed means empowered to prosper, to do well, or to be made whole. That's what the blessing is. So he empowers you to do that, then he breaks you. Verse 20, I got to move. Verse 20, so they all ate and they were filled, and they took out 12 baskets of the fragments that remained. Wait a minute. Look how the Bible just skirts on past it. So they all ate. Now, we already did the count, and we know it's it's somewhere between 10 and 25,000 people. We don't know exactly because we don't know how many women and children there were. Look at the Bible says, verse 20. So they all ate and they were filled. Check this out. They didn't just get some hors d'oeuvres. You know, the problem with hors d'oeuvres is, is that, you, you know, they just don't fill you. Unless you take several of them. But the problem is that's not good couth. <laughs> that's, shall we say, tacky. You don't walk in, let me have five of them cheese slices. Let me get five. But it's an hors d'oeuvre. You're just supposed to, hmm, this is delightful. <laughs> That's how you're supposed to do. It ain't no meal. It's just, it's just to prepare the palate, you understand? <laughs> but the book says they, they were filled, y'all. Say they were filled. But then look, it says, and 12 baskets full of the fragments remain. Now, those who had eaten were about 5,000 men. Here it is, besides women and children. Check this out. God said, I want to teach y'all something, 12. He said, you came to me with a problem. Now, I did what I do, which is solve them. But I need to get you to the place to where you realize that I've already given you and equipped you with the ability to solve some stuff. In other words, watch this. He says, watch this, watch this, watch this. Then you say, watch this. He said, I'm going to let there be so much out out of the overflow and out of the elevation that each one of y'all has a basket to take home. It's real quiet in here. He said, I'm going to do something so incredible that each one of y'all is going to be able to take some leftovers from what you originally thought you didn't have enough. In other words, God says, I'm so incredible. You thought it was just going to accomplish this. But what you didn't understand is that when I bless it and break it, I'll take your little bit. And I'll turn it into something that gives you leftovers. I'll take your part-time job and let you be doing better now than you've ever done in your entire life. Each of the 12 had a basket of leftovers. When God does something in your life, God does it big. 
Now, now, now watch this. Watch this. That's one vantage point. Can I give you Luke's vantage point? Luke's vantage point. And it's just because I'm only going to show you the differences. In uh, and, and Luke 9, verse 10. Say second vantage point. Luke 9 and 10. And the apostles, when they had returned, told him all that they had done. Then he took them and went aside privately into a deserted place belonging to the city called Bethsaida. Now, listen, they were commissioned and sent out in Luke 9, verses 1 through 2. They respond uh, to Jesus bragging about what they did. If you read the, uh, the verses before verse 10, it says that they, they came back. And actually, excuse me, in verse 10, it says, when they returned, they told him all that they had done. Which means this reflects their attitude. They thought the power they had was because of them. They didn't applaud the one that gave them the power. They applauded themselves. They didn't applaud the one that taught them. They acted as if they had always been like that. So now we see what's really going on here. The reason they wanted Jesus to send the multitudes away was because they were insecure. Okay, that's too deep for Sunday. Okay, we'll, we'll do that some other time. Verse 13, but he said to them, you give them something to eat. We've seen that before. And they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish. Watch this. Here's a different vantage point because Matthew didn't record this part. Here it is. Unless we go buy food for all these people. Well, Matthew didn't record nothing about nobody saying nothing to go buy no food. But that's okay because he had, uh, 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 Luke has a different vantage point. So now we have a new piece of evidence introduced into the equation because there's a slight difference. It suggests that they could have obtained more because they said, unless we go buy food for all these people. So it changes the scope of the miracle when we realize they could have went to the store and got some bread. Okay, y'all not hearing me. So now watch this. Such a neighbor says, stay with Bishop, stay with Bishop. It's interesting because the word loaves in Greek is the Greek word artos. <laughs> I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shout myself. So let me prep for shouting. <laughs> Say loaves. loaves. Now, literally, loaves means bread here. But, but, but check out the Greek meaning of this word. You ready? Because they said we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we can go buy food for all these people. Now, Matthew didn't record that. But that's okay. Luke had a different vantage point. But here's what's interesting. Artos means divine provision that God supplies to yielded believers. Watch it. Scene by scene. Okay. Divine provision. Somebody say God does it. God. That God supplies the yielded believers. But watch this, y'all. Scene by scene. Here's the conundrum. The provision occurs scene by scene. So when I'm in a new scene and there hasn't yet been any artos, watch it. I have a degree of uncertainty because he only provides it scene by scene. Which means sometimes the fear that we walk in is a fear of uncertainty because we saw him provide in this scene of the movie. But I'm not in this scene of the movie anymore. The scene has changed. And since the scene has changed, I'm uncertain if he'll provide his artos because I'm in a new scene. So you're standing on a stage called life waiting for there to be some words to pop up for you to say. Waiting for the teleprompter to say do this and to do that. And God's saying, I'm waiting on to reveal my artos. Yes, yes. The divine provision I give scene by scene. Which means, please understand, that's why some of you, you got plans that sometimes when you look at them, sometimes you get encouraged, but sometimes you get discouraged because you're trying to figure out, well, what, how, where is that coming from? And God says, wait till we get to the scene. 
And when we get to that scene, I'll show you how I'm going to provide. Don't you get discouraged. Don't you feel like it's not going to work. Stop beating yourself up before you even got in the car and started it. God says, when we get to that scene, I'll take care of it. And after that scene, I'll take care of that. And after that scene, I'll take care of that. But I'm not giving it all to you at the beginning of the show. Scene by scene. Now, 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 let's go another further because we're going to deal with this whole thing about them going to buy it. Verse 14 there in Luke's account. Y'all okay? I'm almost through. For there were about 5,000 men, and he said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of 50. Matthew didn't record that. I skipped Mark and to come to Matthew because there's only one little difference in Mark. Uh, Jesus and Matthew just said, sit down on the grass. And I think Jesus from the south, so he probably said, sat down. Sat down. Good morning, church. Sat down. And, uh, okay, no, my sis, my sis, why did he say groups of 50? Mm. Interesting. Uh, Jesus wanted to make sure there was order. Because when order came, provision abounded. When order comes, provision comes. So I got to say something that's going to be tough, but, but, uh, but I'm your pastor and I love you, so I got to do it. Don't expect financial breakthrough and you won't tithe. You're out of order. Don't expect breakthrough, but you won't pray through. You're out of order. Provision comes where there is order. Okay, it got real quiet. So Mark, Mark, when Mark was talking, because y'all didn't, woo, it's real quiet there. God, dog. So, so we went Matthew. I skipped a little. I'm going to come back to Mark because there's, no, there's one thing I want you to see. Mark 6, 34. And, and it's slightly different. It says, and Jesus came out when he saw a great multitude. He's moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. Okay. Now we see the introduction of some new phrases. Like they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach. Now Matthew tells us that he healed and these kinds of things. But it, but it didn't say that he taught. So once again, we see not, now not only was Jesus in pain because John the Baptist was, was dead. Not only is Jesus in pain. Not only did Jesus come out and heal. Because you can heal and not say nothing. He can just touch. <laughs> let's, let's be healed. Right. He ain't got to say nothing. It's a whole nother thing. He got to set up, preach, and lay hands. Which means he had to preach from a very, watch this, from a very painful depth. But I've discovered that some of the greatest chapters of who you become are from some of the deepest pains that you experience. Let me let you in on a secret. It's not the good chapters of your life that really make life feel good. It's the chapters where you look back and say, oh. If you don't have none of those, keep living. You're going to have some. But it's those chapters where you look back and say, I don't even know how. I so now let's look at John's account. And this is the last account we're going to look at. Let's look at John's account because there, there's some differences. Somebody say differences. Say a different vantage point. So John 6 and 5. Now watch this. This one got me real excited. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming toward him. Watch this. The vantage point changes. Then he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? Wait a minute. Matthew didn't say nothing about that. Mark didn't say nothing about that. Luke didn't say nothing about that. But John records that Jesus says to Philip, where are we going to buy bread that these may eat? Somebody say vantage point. 
So we got a big issue here because, wait a minute, I thought it was a miracle. Well, it is a miracle. But why did Jesus ask him, where are we going to go get something to eat for the people? And why is he asking Philip? Philip's not in charge of the money. Judas is. But look at verse 6. But he said this to test him. For he knew himself what he was going to do. What I love about the God I serve is that when he asks a question, he's not asking to find out information. He's asking to see if I will obey. Obedience is the main ingredient to elevation. This whole miracle was an exercise and a test of obedience, but I wouldn't know that if I just looked at one vantage point. I had to look at all the vantage points to see that Jesus said, I knew what I was going to do before I even asked. So when God asks you, is it possible, he's not asking to get a, a statistical report back from you to tell him, can it happen, won't it happen. God says, I just want to see what you're going to say because I already know what I'm going to do. I told you I'd make you the head and not the tail. I told you I'd make you above and not beneath. I'm just asking to see if you think like me. I'm just asking to see if you... God asks you questions to see if you're finally in agreement with him. So he asked Philip, but now, but now look at verse 7. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may have a little. What? When John records what Philip says, it explains the discussion in Mark 6, 37. Somebody said this, we've got 200 denarii, let's go get something to eat. But Philip says, he's from the South too, that ain't no enough. Look, y'all. Look, it appears that Philip was saying that's all the money they had to spend on bread because why Philip didn't suggest uh, 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 to increase the amount of bread they'd buy. He said 200 denarii is insufficient enough bread for everybody to get something to eat uh, uh, and everybody, everybody's just going to get a little. So he's like, they're not even going to get full from that. Now, now, now check this out. Look at me, y'all. From another vantage point, we see the real limitation they wanted to send them away because they felt like they didn't have enough. I don't have time to work that, but if I had time, we'd work it like a part-time job. The night shift. So Philip says 200 denarii is not enough bread for us to, to feed all these people. There ain't no enough. We don't have enough. But now we see that Jesus started out by asking them how we're going to feed them. And so now when they respond and say, send them away, we see that they were in direct contradiction and disobedience to what he told them. He said, where are we going to get food? Here's what they should have said. Wherever you tell us to get food from. You got to learn how to be like that girl on coming to America. What do you like to eat? Whatever you like for me to eat. How are you going to make it? Lord, however you say I'm going to make it. He said, I wanted to see how you'd respond. So we know now that Jesus asked them up front, where are we going to get bread for them? Philip says, we don't have enough. 200 denarii is not enough. So did they only have 200, but why, 200 denarii? I did the mathematics. It's irrelevant for the purpose of the message. I did the mathematics. And like, we only got 200 denarii for bread. But I couldn't figure out why he was asking Philip. And so I said, you know me. So I looked at the Greek. I said, well, who is Philip in the Greek? He's a horse lover. I said, well, that don't mean nothing. <laughs> Philip in the Greek means horse lover. Now, I could have took that somewhere and told you how Jesus is coming in on a horse, but that is totally extra textual and irresponsible. That's so Denverish. 
Uh, <laughs> so, 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 then I said, well, who is Philip? Okay, let's, let's figure out who Philip is. Uh, let's talk about Philip. The problem is Philip isn't very prominent in the Gospels. In fact, he's only mentioned a couple times. But, an interesting anecdote, Philip is always listed as the fifth apostle. And every listing of the apostles, he's always number five. Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> it's tomorrow. <laughs> See, I worked it. Now, he's always the fifth. Now, now some of y'all, you, you're still like, okay, what does that mean, Bishop? Well, in biblical numerology, five is the number of favor. It's the number of grace. It's the number of anointing. It's the number of provision. So check this out. Jesus asked grace and favor a question. Jesus looked over at grace and favor and said, where are we going to get some for these people to eat? You're not hearing what I'm saying. The correct answer Philip should have gave was wherever you tell me to do it, wherever you say to get it, with you everything is possible. Instead, Philip responds with a limitation rather than saying, God, I'm ready to see your demonstration. I wish I had somebody here. God is not limited by your criteria. I'm going to say it again. God is not limited by your criteria. See, in your mind, you say, well, if this happens and this happens and this happens and this can happen. And God says, I'm not stepping your little $2 plan. When I want your opinion, I'll ask you for it. And notice, I ain't asked you for it yet. God says, I'm not limited by your criteria. I know you don't have the right skills. I know you don't have the right education. I know you don't have this and that. But I'm not limited by your criteria. Your criteria doesn't mean anything when I give my limitations to a God that can demonstrate greater. Our criteria is all, all, all sometimes it can get a little beside itself. Well, Lord, if this person does this and this person does this and this person does this, then I'll be able to do this. And God's like, I don't need that to be part of the criteria. God says, I'm so smooth. I'll do like Gideon. I'll, will, I'll, number, I'll let the number get real low. And then, I'll, and then I'll take that number and take over a nation. God said, don't you give me your criteria, which by, uh, uh, states that I have to move in that direction, in that way. God says, I'm not interested in your criteria. Let me give you an example, and then, and then we through, because this last part is going to shout you good. Y'all okay? All right, good. Now, now watch this. Say, God, God is not limited, is not limited by, my by my criteria. So your criteria says, well, if I do this and do this and pay this first and do this one and do this one, then I'm going to call this one, do that. And that's good. That's real good. That's good stuff. Good stuff. Your criteria says, well, the doctor says this, and so if I do this and this and this, okay, you have your criteria. But we serve a God that says, I don't care what your criteria is. You know why he waited to go get Lazarus? Now, he was upset about it. He cried. You know why he waited? Because he wanted to get to the place to where that criteria was irrelevant. You know how I know criteria was irrelevant? Criteria was irrelevant because the scripture says his body stinks. It wouldn't have been that big of a deal if he came back up after the first day, after the second day. But the scripture says he stinks. Stinks. Translation. He has a very profound and foul odor. And Jesus said, I wanted to wait until it got stinky. To prove to you I'm not limited by your criteria. Verse 8. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon's Peter's brother, said to him, there is a lad that has five barley loaves and two small fists, but what are they among so many? Wait a minute, another vantage point. We didn't hear this before. 
Simon Peter's brother says, Andrew, somebody say, thank God for Drew. Said to him, there is a lad who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? So now we discover that the stuff they had wasn't even theirs. It was the boys. So, so, so he said, clearly, here it is. We don't have enough. But, but look, look at what Drew said. But Drew said this. Drew, I just I changed the name. Drew, but Drew said this. We don't have enough, but this is what we do have. You may not have the education, but do you have a good worth ethic? You may not have the money, but can you be counted on? And here's five again. Peter, or excuse me, Philip, the fifth apostle. And here's five again. Five barley loaves. Grace, favor, Super two are natural. But notice the five is accompanied with a two. And I don't want to get too mathematical and you lose it because depending on the uh, place you were reared and learned in, you may get a little beside yourself in mathematical equations. So we're going to keep it simple. There's a five and a two. <laughs> Quiet. There's favor. And two is the biblical number of a witness. God says, I'm getting ready to let y'all witness my favor. And not just y'all, but I'm going to make all of them witness my favor. But interestingly enough, further mathematical examination tells us that five plus two is seven complete shalom nothing missing nothing lacking nothing broken all is well harvest we're stepping out of seven shalom nothing missing nothing lacking nothing okay Look at verse 11. I'm done. These last two verses. Last two verses. Last two verses. I plan a bit done. Oh, yeah. Last two verses. Now, now look. Look. Last two verses. Last two verses. Last two verses. Verse, verse 11. And Jesus took the loaves. Watched the banners point. And when he had given thanks. Matthew, Mark, and Luke didn't record that. But John did. John's vantage point is John was proper, uh, positioned such that he, when Jesus lifted it toward heaven, he heard Jesus not just lift it or see Jesus not just lift it, but he also heard Jesus say something. Jesus took the little they did have and gave thanks for it. Okay. Stop complaining about the hand you were dealt and just start giving thanks for it. Because if you can't give God thanks for a bad hand, you won't appreciate when you get a good one. Yeah. 
There were periods of life and ministry where I just said, God, look at what you dealt me. Now, how in the world do you expect me to take what you gave me and do something with it? He said, listen, you can sit there and complain about it, or you can play it well. You can sit there and say, I wish this, I wish this, I wish this. Why didn't you do this? You can sit there and complain about it, or you can start giving thanks for it. And when I began to give thanks for it, God says, watch me take the bad hand that you were dealt, and watch me show you how to play it well. Stop complaining about what life has done to you. You're not the only one that's been through some stuff. God says, stop complaining about it and give thanks for it. Your children won't serve the Lord. Give thanks for it. Your your, your family's messed up. Give thanks for it. Your finances got some issues. Give thanks for it. He took the little bit they did have and he gave thanks for it. Him giving thanks elevated the precarious predicament. He said, thank you. He didn't sit up and complain that he had to catch the bus. He was thankful that he had strength to get there. He didn't sit up and complain about how folk had treated him in the past. He just said, thank God I ain't in that mess no more. He didn't sit there and say, I wish I was born into a different bloodline. I wish I was born into, well, you weren't. So just need to learn how to give thanks for where you are. But the other guys, they didn't record this. Scripture says when he lifted it, he gave thanks for it. See, sometimes you just need to, while, you, while you're complaining and getting real indignant, sometimes you just need to stop, push pause and say, wait a minute, thank you. Bishop, why am I thanking him? Because that car accident that should have killed you, didn't. Why am I thanking him? Because that sickness that should have took you out, didn't. Why am I thanking him? I'm thanking him because while it may not be the best hand, it is the hand that I have, and I better learn how to play it well. So you, you got to learn how to be like Jacob. Sometimes if the hand you're dealt is a, is a, is a waste that's out of socket, you better learn how to just handle your business. Hand your, you, you. How about somebody say, play your hand well? I stopped complaining about the hand I was dealt in this place called Denver. (laughs) Whatever. Whatever. Verse 12. I love Denver. I love Aurora. And all surrounding suburbs and communities. I didn't mean anything by that statement. Okay. But I'm just saying the hand he dealt me. I'm thankful for. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. I'm thankful. Verse 12. Here it is. So then they were filled. Uh, so when they were filled, excuse me, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain. Here's the vantage point because this isn't recorded by the other guys. So that nothing is lost. Hello. I say harvest in Spanish. Is it harvest? Oh, harvest. Oh, so it's a name. So when it's a noun, you say it like, you know, no, 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 Pepsi or something. Okay, okay. All right. Okay. So, okay. I, I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm in class. I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm becoming new. Okay. Harvest. Don't pray for it. I'm learning. I'm learning Spanish now. It's going to be rocky for a little bit. But I'm going to get it. When I get out, I'm going to come up here preaching and be like, who is that? That's Bishop. Obispo. I want to learn. Look, 
gather up the fragments that remain. Look at this part. John records the others don't. So that nothing is lost. Interesting scenario here. We started out with a two-piece with some extra hush puppies that the girl at the window accidentally put in there because she wasn't really paying attention. Because you're only supposed to get two. I know I'm right about it. You're only supposed to get two. So she threw some extra ones in, and she gave them to this little boy. And this little boy went to go see Jesus, and he went to go see Jesus because his mama and them dragged him to go see Jesus. And they're like, we go in the church. Well, you're, mama, I'm hungry. Well, you pack your lunch. We ain't missing church because you're sitting there acting crazy. You better pack your lunch because we going to serve the Lord. Who's in charge? You or them? So, so, so this boy comes and he's got his meal. And Philip is like, and Andrew, they're like, well, all we got is all we have. Is all we have. And Jesus elevates it, blesses it, breaks it feeds thousands of people and says don't let anything be lost see, see we're missing it we're, we're, we're missing it why would he say so that nothing is lost what does he mean by that what nothing is the people ate so of course it's lost Jesus said you don't understand what was happening while they were sharing it while they were sharing it and as they were giving it to one another, they took this little that I elevated and made much. And as they were sharing it, it kept multiplying. So that by the time the people were done eating, it was just as much as when it started at the end. You're missing it, missing it. Maybe I can say it a better way. Nothing was lost in the process because as they kept sharing it, it kept multiplying. You're not hearing what I'm saying. You got a testimony about God's been good to you. And as you keep sharing it, nothing was lost. He said, yes, the people are eating, but what you don't understand is every time one eats, I multiply. And every time that one eats, I multiply. And every time one eats, I multiply. And every time one eats, I multiply. Because I am the God. Then I take two fish and five hush puppies with some hot sauce and tartar sauce and make a special concoction at the table in front of the people at the table. I may even put a little vinegar on it. Malt vinegar. Just gives you that, you know, that richness, you know. I'm just trying to get you ready because it's single to mind so the beast show got some special stuff for you. God says, but when I elevate it, it's so powerful that it does far beyond what you ever thought it could do. God will take your yes and turn your yes into changed lives. Amen. 
God will take your $2 and turn your $2 into two weeks of breakthrough. God's got the ability to take it and elevate it. You got that selfie still? You got that selfie? Look at, look at it. Look at it real quick. Look at it real quick. I'm through. We are done. I say finish in Spanish. El finito. Finito. Is that it? Terminar. Terminar. Amen. Terminar. Me as terminar. Is that what I said? Or yo soy, soy terminar? Soy termino. Okay, all right. This, no Spanish for the day. Okay, English rest of the day. Okay, no for the day. <laughs> you got that selfie? God is elevating that. Whatever the condition of your life is there is the lowest. Is the lowest. Is the lowest. Is the lowest. Stand on your feet, everybody. I wish I had some faith in here. Father, we honor you, sir. Two fish, five loaves of bread, and you fed tens of thousands, and it kept multiplying. It kept multiplying. You elevated it, gave thanks for it, and it kept multiplying. Our limitations are opportunities for your glory. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. We made USAA insurance for veterans like James. When he found out how much USAA was helping members save, he said, It's time to switch. We'll help you find the right coverage at the right price. USAA. What you're made of, we're made for. Restrictions apply.